Hey there, beautiful person. Yeah, that's you listening. Um, maybe you've forgotten that you're a beautiful person or you don't feel like one today. I'm not trying to make this a pep talk. I mean, maybe you're not. Maybe you're not a beautiful person. Maybe you're a terrible, terrible human being. That, that could be the case. I don't know. But if you are, I'm glad you're part of the Super Nice Club because let's work on making you 10% less terrible, which, you know, is kind of like 10% nicer which is our whole jam. That's our whole thing. We're trying to make the whole world 10% nicer. So let's start with the horrible monsters. Maybe that's you. I don't know. Hopefully not. Well, I mean, I don't want to say hopefully not because it sounds like I'm judging you for being horrible. I'm not. Nuh-uh. We can just own that you're horrible. Um, I am some days. Anyway, who am I? I'm Todd Brilliant. I'm your host. And today's guest is Brendan Leonard, writer, adventurer, adventure writer, award-winning filmmaker, part-time shit disturber, and most notably, the creator of your favorite new website, semi-rad.com. I could say semi-rad.com, but if I said that, you might go home and type that in, and then it wouldn't get you to semi-rad.com. It would get you to, let's look it up. Where would semi-rad uh, take you to? Um, it takes you to, God, I'm trying to type. It's like you're looking over my shoulder. I'm messing it up. This site can't be reached. So I don't know. I'm not sure what the story is there. Anyway. That's, that's for Brendan to answer, and he does not answer it in this episode. But let me tell you a little bit about him. I got this part off his website. Pretend that I'm Brendan when I read it, or it'll ruin the effect. You know, the magic. All right. My name is Brendan Leonard, and I started this website in 2011. I think we all need to spend more time doing things we love, going to places that make us feel small, remembering to laugh at ourselves, and getting a little cold, tired, and scared every once in a while. I've bicycled across America, run several ultramarathons, and lived out of a converted van for three years, climbing and adventuring in the mountains around the West. I am a writer, and most of my work centers around adventure, travel, and human experiences with both of those. I'm a contributing editor at Adventure Journal and a columnist at Outside. My stories have appeared in Backpacker, National Geographic Adventure, Outside, Men's Journal, Sierra, Adventure Cyclist, and other publications. There. Gives you an idea of Brendan. What will give you even more of an idea is if you hang out with me and Brendan for the next hour or so as we talk about this and that and running and, of course, his super nice new book, I Hate Running and You Can Too, How to Get Started, Keep Going, and Make Sense of an Irrational Passion. Yeah. All right. Let's do this. So turn off everything else, tune out the rest of the world, and drop in to nice work with super nice Brendan Leonard. I forgot, I forgot, I forgot. So I forgot to read from a book this time. You know, I usually read the page number of the episode. Uh, sorry. I, I mean, I didn't forget. I just remembered, obviously, but I forgot in time to actually go do it because, I mean, I did such a bang-up job with this intro. Probably in my sexiest voice. There's no way I'm going to re-record this. It's way too sexy. Brendan Leonard, hey, welcome to Nice Work. Really glad to have you on today. What is going on? Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm just sitting here with my beet smoothie and coffee, sort of having a late morning routine here. And you're, where are you in Colorado? Uh, I'm in Missoula, Montana, which I'm not supposed to right. talk about too much. Yeah. <laughs> Why aren't you <laughs> supposed to talk about that? Because uh, it's really nice here and we don't 
apparently you're not supposed to advertise it to the greater world so much. So. Why, did, why did I think you were in Colorado? Is it just because you run? And I think that everybody who I, runs is in Colorado? I was for 15 years. So, okay. Uh, All right. Yeah. So I'm not that yeah. far off. No, it's out. And we loved it. It was just became unaffordable as far as do we want to live in a, a house bigger than 800 square feet uh, for two of us who work from home all the time. So we ended right. up here and um, it's lovely. So you're you're in Missoula, Montana, which sucks, everybody. You don't want to live there. No, it's awful. It's a terrible place. Nobody wants to be in Missoula. I got it. It's no longer affordable quick. either. So it's not even. Yeah, everybody needs to move to Colorado. Yep. Yeah. Keep, keep moving to Colorado. Yeah. Even Grand Grand Junction is even hot right now, I hear. It is, yeah. I've there's yeah. a couple companies that that were in Boulder that moved to uh Grand Junction even. Like I think Rocky Mounts, the bike rack company moved there and uh-huh. Yeah. So Grand Junction, that's where it's at. Go for it. Well, I just got a new airlines out of LA called Avelo, A V E L O, and they're running forty three dollar round trips to Bozeman. Montana, oh man, where I've never been. I'm like, maybe I'll just, I mean, for 43 bucks, I could just go land, like walk around and then go back home. Doesn't I, sound like a terrible idea. Anyway, uh, free ad for Avelo, Avelo Airlines, buddy, AveloAirlines.com <laughs> or something podcast, like that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's, you, you've done so much stuff. I've already introduced in the, in the show intro kind of a lot about all the crazy outdoor stuff that you've done and do and. There's uh, uh, still a lot. I mean, there's just so much that you do. I've, I've got, here's your book, which we'll get into. I hate running and you can too. How to get started, keep going and make sense of an irrational passion, which wins. It gets the super nice club uh, guaranteed book deal, which we'll talk about later. But in essence, if you buy this book and you don't like it, we will buy it back from you at the price you paid for it. As long as you ship it to us so that we can give it out to super nice club members. So this book is guaranteed. I hate running. You can too. We'll talk about it in a minute. But I want you to hang on to the podcast. Just don't leave yet because we've got other things to talk about. Uh, starting with the Big Umbrella Organization. Is it, I don't know. I think we can call it Semi-Rad Organization, right? It's more than just a website. It's it's literally just a guy, me. Um, but yes, there's a lot of, I just kind of do a lot of stuff. And it's like, it's a brand, I guess, is what you would call it. Uh, right. The Semi-Rad Organization. Yes. Okay, cool. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm the CEO. It's semi, semi-rad.com, folks. And since you're possibly sitting down in front of a computer, if you wouldn't mind just going to semi-rad.com just right now, just so you know what we're referencing and you can bring up pictures of, of uh, Brendan, handsome guy, it'll make this experience just so much richer and fuller. <laughs> I like what you have on Semi-Rad. It just says, I created this as a, as a I mean, we, <clears throat> the organization yes. created this as a channel for those of us who aren't elite climbers, skiers, ultra runners, and alpinists, the folks who love to get out there but maybe don't take it too seriously, Semi-Rad is enthusiasm for things regular folks can do, adventures for the everyman and woman. It's a website for those of us crushing it, kind of. I hope you enjoy it. The tone of the whole site, the tone of everything you do is great. It's super approachable. It's super like, all right, this guy, you know, if this guy can do it, I can do it. That seems to be like the big theme in so much of what you do. And I love it. I mean, it's, it's super nice. It's definitely, thank you, Doozer, for introducing the Super Nice Club to Brendan Leonard. It totally makes sense. I get it. I get why you and Doozer are aligned. Who's faster? Who, who, who can win in a race? Oh, I'm sure he is. Yeah, I don't. Really? Have you ever done it? 
No. We, Could we sponsor like a hundred meter and a four hundred meter and a sixteen hundred between you two? I'm not really, not really into competition so much. <laughs> I don't know if he is either. We ran a marathon together, just like for when he was doing um, his interviews on YouTube. He would run with people and interview them. So we ran. Yeah. So ours yeah. was a marathon because I was running a bunch of marathons that year. But uh, yeah, it was. We don't. I don't know if he's that excited about going fast, but I think he is way faster naturally than me. So. You guys are both aspirational to me. I'm like, if I could run like either one of those guys, it'd be great. Maybe, maybe one day, maybe it's not too late for me. So semi-rad is, why did you start it? What was the MO? Yeah. So I was trying to become a, an adventure writer, um, from about 2004 on. And, uh, I guess what I saw out there was at that time, uh, between, I guess, 2005 and 2011 was, it was sort of like follows the model of sports journalism where we focus on the very highest performers and that's all we talk about. And it becomes more of a spectator thing than an enthusiast thing. And I have since college kind of just been like, I don't want to watch sports. I want to do sports. And uh, a friend of mine said this funny thing at one point, which I'm not going to set up the context, but he said, I like skiing because I like skiing, not because somebody else is good at it, you know? And uh, I I thought that that kind of sums things up. So I kind of was like, thought, hey, let's focus on the things that we have in common, you know, like rock climbing. Everybody is not going to climb at the same level, but everybody who is a rock climber knows what it's like to get on something that feels hard to them, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes, when you watch somebody who's really good at it, it's beautiful, um, and they're on something really hard, but, and you can think to yourself, oh yeah, I've had a hold that small in my hand before and struggled to pull on it just like this person is. Um, so I kind of try to focus on those things that we all have in common, you know, running wise, it's like things about just getting out the door is hard for a lot of people, uh, including myself, um, not wanting to go to the bathroom in the middle of a city when you're running six miles or whatever uh, chafing, you know, hydration, food, like all these, all these weird things that we, that we have in common, even if we're running vastly different speeds or vastly different distances. So I guess that's what I've always tried to focus on is what, how do we bring people together? Um, and most of the stuff I create is pretty, it's not like I do write books, but a lot of the stuff I do is on a weekly basis. So it's smaller things like blogs. So I've come to see it as sort of digital greeting cards, where if I talk about something like, how funny it is, the different approaches we take to just climbing a hill on a hiking trail or a mountain bike trail. Hopefully people will read that and send it to their friends and say, this made me think of you, Bob, because of that mountain bike ride we did. And uh, hopefully it's connecting people in that way. And that's like the best case scenario uh, for me. Actually, best case scenario is I get rich, but um, that's not going to happen. So connecting people is second best case scenario for me. I, you know, let's let's just let's just change the attitude, but let's say it's gonna <laughs> yeah. happen. Yeah, you're right. Let's, let's put that out there out. to the universe. Let's say it out loud. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna happen. And but I, what what rich is, you know, I don't exactly. Know. That's, that's up you to you. You change the definition, right? Yeah, rich. Yeah, which that's is fine. You, yeah, I mean, you're in Missoula. Everything's super affordable. I'm right. I'm not. I am having a great life. And I'm, I'm <laughs> I totally mean, it's terribly expensive. It, yeah. It's terribly expensive in Missoula. He's just barely. It's getting awful. Money. So semi rad is the big umbrella where where you can find everything 
everything Brendan Leonard. Would you say that are you do you identify? Are you like the semi rad guy to people? Uh, unintentionally, yeah. I just thought I would start a website in 2011, and then people will actually refer to me as that, um, which is kind of, I mean, it's fine. You know, you're like, okay, I guess you're calling me semi rad. My mom would be disappointed, uh, but people will address emails to me and say that. I'm like, why? Well, I didn't even look up my name. But uh, I think about it like, what if I was like, what was I, 32 when I came up with the name of that? 31? And like, you know, I imagine rappers who come up with their names at like 17, 18, and then they got to stick with it for like 30, 30 right. years. Yeah. You're always going to be Lil Wayne or you're always going to be Coolio or like, you know, Jazzy Jack. six, nine, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I'm okay with it, I guess. Although Diddy keeps changing. That's it. right. There's a few people who do that. Diddy's changing so many times. He's love now, I think. Is, is that his it's name now? Love. Okay. Yeah. It's love. You're semi, I mean, super nice. That my, I'm the super nice guy, which is great because like, I'm not, you know, it's like an aspirational name. I'm not super nice. I, I aspire to nice at this point, right? That's my whole, it's like the men's warehouse. I'm not just the client or whatever, you know. Oh, hair club uh, for men. Or hair yes. club for men. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hair club for men. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's funny what we do with our names. I like semi-rad. I really like the idea of well, I like the approachability of it. I also just like that it's not just like, look, everybody's amazing. Here's the gold medal winner. Here's Michael Phelps. Because that can be so dispiriting and sometimes for people. Like, they just say, I could never, ah, you know, swimming looks cool, but ah, I could never. Yeah, that's for that's for those types of Yeah, people. no, I, uh, right? that happens every once in a while, like on um, internet comments. Like, we did a film about ultra running years ago, or three years ago now, and it's about, my buddy and me trying to run a hundred mile race. And, um, every once in a while somebody will comment, Oh, here's how you do it. You be David Goggins. And I'm like, well, yes, David Goggins is very successful at these things, but not everyone is going to be that guy. That's why, that's why he's that yeah. person. So yeah, it's cool. I mean, that's inspirational on, on one level for sure. Um, and I'm inspired by those people too, but yeah, you don't want it to be so out there that people can't wrap their head around it. Yeah, when I, I recently read your book, and it, folks, it takes about a half an hour to read because there's so many pictures in it, which is my favorite kind of book. It's like, it's kind of like a graphic novel. And it's I Hate Running and You Can Too, How to Get Started, Keep Going, Make Sense of an Irrational Passion. It definitely got me fired. Okay, so the book, if you're already a runner and you're like, I'm, I'm doing, you know, I'm doing 14 minute 5Ks, you probably don't need the book. It's cool. You can still buy five copies to give to friends who you want to run with in the future. And you're like, dude, you would be a great runner. Why don't you do it? This is that book. Would you say fair? It's probably not for like people who are already just like blazing speed, dedicated, daily, obsessive runners. Yeah, I think the the I wanted it to appeal to those people in a way of finding something in there that would help them explain themselves to people who don't run, you know, because you're the weird person in the office or your family reunion. Oh, You're okay. like, oh yeah, this is, this is, uh, Karen, she runs marathons and, and Karen can pick up this book and be like, this is why see this graphic. This is, this is me. And they get it, you know? Um, so hopefully that's, but yeah, no, it's more intended for, to me, it's like, I wanted to convince people that they can try and that's, that's the best thing that can happen. What I love about it is, uh, there's a quote in here that just nails it for me. It's fantastic. It's this, uh, Question number one, do you run? 
If you can answer yes to all these questions, you are without a doubt a real runner. And you quote Alistair Jones uh, from another book, Run, a book for real runners. It's so great. Do you run? Yeah. Well, then you're a runner, right? Because we always like, and I've caught myself doing this. I'm not a real runner. I just like get on my, you know, the treadmill a few times a week and sometimes I'll go out. No, I'm not a real, because in my mind, a real runner is a freaking gazelle. And every now and then I see a real runner out on the streets or something, just looking perfect and healthy and like headphones in and I can hear their music and it's just inspirational pumping, you know, I'm like, God, there goes a real runner. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, we do, we compare ourselves all the time. Uh, we, it's really hard not to do it. And your book really makes some great points on that. Um, just this comparison stuff. Uh, our body types, the way we sort of look at ourselves and go, that's not what a runner looks like. The body shaming, all this kind of stuff. Uh, end result was after an hour of reading this book, I'm like, I'm going to start really running again. Not being a real runner, but really running. Committing to running regularly um, because it's there's just so much of your voice in here that has been my voice in the back of my head. You kind of address a lot of the excuses and concerns in here in a really funny way. I, I loved it a surprising amount. You know, you have guests on, you read their book, you don't know if you're going to like it or not. Who knows? I'm like, man, this is awesome. I can't wait to talk to, to Brendan about his book as soon as we can. So again, folks, highly recommend I Hate Running. If you buy it and you don't like it, I will buy it from you and I will give it to someone who does love it, all right? And this is the Scout's Honor System. You can take advantage of that if you want to, whatever. That wouldn't be super nice. But uh, whatever you need to do, as long as you read the book, then we're happy we've done some nice work. Now, the book just came out in March, Yeah, right? March 16th. Yeah. So what's up? Is it a hit? According to my book sales record, it is. It's not a New York Times bestseller. I mean, there's only so much you can do and uh, through the channels that I have available. And, you know, I'm like trying to talk about it, trying to mention it on social media without annoying people, you know? And yeah, I think, I think it's doing okay. And I hope to keep, keep promoting it in a way that's not annoying, I guess. Uh, but yeah, it's doing great so far. Super nice club members. Let's talk about this book. Let's make a goal of selling Let's see here. In the month of June, let's make a goal, Super Nice Club members, listeners of this podcast, of selling three or four copies of this book for Brendan. All right? Let's get, let's, let's, let's shoot for four. Let's shoot for four copies, you know, uh, of I Hate Running and You Can't Do. It's one thing you can do that's kind of cool these days is you can just go onto the internet and order the book. You can type in the title and it'll show you places where you can buy it. You don't even have to go to your bookstore. You can go onto the internet and buy the book and you can even buy it uh, to where it doesn't have paper and you can just read it on the internets. That's also an option. If you're still afraid of going to the bookstore or something like that because of cooties or COVID or whatever, you can buy this book online. Brendan doesn't want to annoy people because it's like sucks selling your own stuff. So he probably doesn't want to like post on Instagram to his friends. Oh, there's Brendan talking about his book again. I don't mind annoying people or being annoying right now trying to move this book. Not because I'm trying to make Brendan rich because he probably makes less than a dollar on each one. Wow. But, you know, wow, you know this. Yeah. <laughs> but because part of being and living in a nicer world is a world where people feel better about themselves. And fitness is a huge part of that. Feeling fit, having good cardio, being able to be around and healthy, to play with your kids long term. A world where people 
exercise more is part of the 10% nicer of the super nice club. And I'm not talking about vanity exercising where you're just like, I got to work my traps because it looks sexy. Although that's cool too. Uh, I'm talking about getting out there and, and having the mental clarity that comes with physical health. You know, they really go hand in hand for most of us. So get out there and get running. Even if you don't buy the book, just consider running again as something to add to your, your daily repertoire. And that's, that's the last I'm going to push of I hate running and you can too in this episode until the end, you know, I have to start promoting the episode and then it's going to be all over the internet and all that stuff. Uh, all right, cool. Before, uh, or was it before? Yeah. It was before you wrote this book, you did this crazy thing, which I just, we need to talk about because it's obsessive compulsive, I think. Uh, and I like that. I like you know, this, this weird stuff. And my guess, you ran 52 races, 52 marathons in 52 weeks. Yeah. Not yeah. races though. I just kind of, um, decided to start, <clears throat> I was turning 40, uh, in 2019 and was like, maybe I'll do something interesting, like run 52 marathons. And if you start looking it up, it's, it's been done before. There are people who have run 365 marathons in 365 days, believe it or not, which is completely insane. <laughs> But most of the people who run 52 marathons in a year do races, which logistically is just a nightmare to me. Like, I don't want to do all that traveling in order to do it. Oftentimes, they do it to raise money for a charity, uh, which is great. But I also don't think it's something normal people can wrap their heads around. And I was just like, you know, maybe I'll just try, just run them out the front door. A lot of the times, just take off and do my 26.2 miles, which you can track via your watch or your phone or whatever and see how many I can get done. Maybe I'll get injured halfway through the year and not be able to finish. But yeah, I just started running them and I was able to, I think I finished by like December 10th or something like that. And it was um, awful on a lot of days, but uh, it, it, it was, a, it was a fun thing to try to do. And, you know, sometimes I'd go up in the mountains. Sometimes I would sign up for an actual marathon race. Sometimes I'd take the dog for the first couple miles then drop him off back at home and then run the rest of my marathon so it became this thing of trying to stay in shape and run like 40 miles a week and i'm not very good at daily things but i'm good at weekly goals and um 40 miles a week if you run 26.2 miles in one run you probably only have to do two other runs that whole week and you're done <laughs> yeah it takes a big chunk i burn right all out, my right? calories yeah. for the week awesome so yeah that was that was the thing and I hoped, I don't know, I don't know what I hoped it would do, but I thought, you know, if I can do this, maybe somebody can be inspired to run a 5K every week or a 10K every week or something like that. When you were done, how long was it before you did another 26 Oh, that's a good run? question. I don't know. It. Oh. And were you just like incredibly fit after 52 races in 52 weeks? Did you look down and go, mm. oh, man, well, look at me. I mean, I think I was... I was fit in that way, I guess. I was able to, like, I don't, like, the mirror is very, uh, it's a thing where you don't, it doesn't, it kind of lies to you in some ways if you're an optimist and if you're a pessimist, it lies in other ways. But the reason I, I think I take to running is because it's a thing, it's a fit, fitness thing based around what you can do, not how you look. You know what I mean? It doesn't, it's not like, oh, I need to work out mm -hmm. this muscle to get it bigger so I look better with my shirt off. It's like, I want to run more so I can spend six hours on a trail by myself and not feel super tired at the end of it. It's like, it increases what you can do the more you do it. 
Um, so it's a doing thing rather than a looks thing. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I assume your body changes, but I, I, man, I can look in the mirror with 10 extra pounds on me and go, yeah, I look pretty good, right? Sure. You know, and same way if I lose 10 pounds. So I never, that's never a good meter of fitness for me. It's like, all I've been doing is eating pizza and sitting, <laughs> sitting on my butt. Uh, I look okay. Right. Um, comparatively. No, it's, it's yeah. terrible what we do. Like if I, if I, uh, haven't been working out for a little while, I'll look in the mirror and go, oh, man, you're just, you're just the laziest, like, sloppiest person. And then I'll go, yeah. and I'll do like one half hour workout, like 30 minutes. Right. And then after, then the next day I'll look in the mirror, not like right after, cause after working out right after, you know, you're a little bit more jacked or whatever, or less flabby. But no, the next day I'll be like, yeah, worked out yesterday. Yeah, definitely, good. <laughs> definitely like, seeing some no improvement. Keep it going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, but that's okay. That's great. That's what, sure. you know, encourages you to keep going, right? The, the playing tricks on yourself, this crazy dysmorphia that, you know, we're joking about, but can be for sure. really, really for sure. harmful. In the other direction. Absolutely. And so not to make light of it, it's, it's something that, uh, it's, I just think it's more common than people who are really battling it know. I, I think pretty much everybody has some sort of body dysmorphia when they look in the mirror, except for the, just the vainest of yeah, the vein. Yeah, I bet they do too. And even then, probably. Yeah, whereas, whereas you know, like yeah, this, these yeah, running yeah, types of exercise or cycling where you're like traveling, you know when you're not, you can't lie to yourself that much. You can be running up a hill going, oh man, I'm really tired. It's because you're not that fit or maybe you did something really really hard yesterday and your legs are tired but most of the time it's like you're just not that fit and the more you do these things the easier that they get and it's a very honest system i think and that works for me and my particular body dysmorphia so 52 race 52 marathons in 52 weeks is pretty incredible and if that listeners just sort of elevated brendan away from this relatable semi-rad guy and now you're like Ugh. I'm not going to run this, this guy's, you know, too much runner. No, I just, I think it's important to remember, and you pointed out so well, I don't know if you, you, you tell a story of like some racer's mom who like walked around the block and he's like, yeah, mom, if you could walk around the block once, you can walk around the block twice. You know, if you can do a mile, you can do a mile and a half. And that's so true. No matter where you're at, you know, if you can do a half a mile the next day or something, you can do a little bit more than that, and then a little bit more than that. And it's really hard to, to envision. Like for a lot of folks, five miles might seem impossible, right? But once you're at five miles, all of a sudden, seven miles is like, oh, yeah, I, mm -hmm. I can envision that. Have you ever heard of Matty Gregg? Uh, he's he's an uh, amazing human being. I should have him on the podcast. Matty, you want to come on the podcast if you're listening to this? Uh, he ran across the country. Um, over a period of, I don't know how long it took him, but the, the kind of determination it takes to go through across the oh, country wow. and then back again through all the, that weather and everything like that, that there's nothing in my mind that reaches out and can grasp that and go, yeah, I could do that. I'm not there. Thousands and thousands of miles, you know, is that something that you think, you know, you just did it 52 times 26. What is that? 750,000 miles? Something like that. 2,000 miles total. Yeah. Which... Yeah. I bicycled across America in 2010 and we did the shortest, flattest route possible and it was 3,000 miles. So I guess so. I don't know. I also like, I don't know that I would run the entire time if I was going to try to do that. I'd probably walk a couple of miles here and there and, you know, you're like stopping and I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think you're one of yeah. the things that you, 
you hear from a lot of people who are really high achievers and endurance sports, especially is that we really personally have no idea where our limits are. You can maybe get close, but, Mm. um, a friend of mine who's a, a writer and climber alpinist, Kelly Cordes at one point said, what you think you're capable of is really probably about half of what you can actually do. And I think that's a really interesting thing, like to think about how far you can push it uh, and how, because you know that if you got to the finish line of whatever, a a 12 mile race or a half marathon where you thought that if you're looking at your watch and it's like, oh, here's 13.1 miles and, and everybody said, oh no, the finish line's over there. It's another half mile. And if you thought 13.1 was your absolute limit, but you really want that medal, you would just finish it. You know, you'd just be like, yeah, I can run another half mile. And if they kept moving it, you would probably do the same thing. So it's, it's interesting what, yeah. how you, how you gauge <laughs> your, your brain to, to figure out what you're, what you can do. And, uh, I've experienced it a lot in ultra marathons where you, you, you're just like, the last couple hours, you just like keep thinking, oh my God, where's the next sign that says there's only five miles left or the next aid station or whatever. And in your head, you're like, surely we've gone 95 miles at this point, you know, surely it's, you know, but you just, you have no idea. You're just out there and you're like, well, I guess we just keep moving until we see the the red little arch and we run through that and then we're done. Um, but you question it a lot. You're like if they move the finish line, like four more miles, would I just quit? Like, probably not. I would probably just finish. What What do you think that that does for, um, you know, that's a, that's a type of physical fortitude, but you're also talking about a, a mental discipline that comes with that. In your life, before you did the running, before you got into this, you wrote a book called 60 Minutes Anywhere. It's a whole different kind of book. And that's a whole different episode of different podcasts that you've done a hundred times. That's not really what we're here for. But can you... I think it still deserves a little bit of space. Can you like in a nutshell talk about a book that the author of one of my favorite books, one of my favorite outdoor books, um, The Emerald Mile by Kevin Fedarko. Great book about um, Grand Canyon basically, right? And the Colorado River. He called your book a searingly original testament to the transcendent power of wild spaces and the redemptive radiance of the American West. Great. Kevin Fedarko, you can write. You can write blurbs. Aces. Um, tell us about 60 Minutes Anywhere real quick. Just, I don't want to yeah, give people um, just like a, a starting out point for you. So I, uh, gosh, when I was 23, I went into substance abuse treatment for alcohol. And um, yeah, the story is about that and about trying to find an identity after that. Uh, because all the, all the addiction memoirs I had read at that point, which when I was looking for narratives to tell me what to do, were sort of there wasn't anything that went beyond rehab. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like, here's how bad of a person I was. Then I went to rehab the end, or it was like, I went to rehab. Here's my story of being in rehab (laughs) the end. Uh, And that's how I got better. But there was no, like, as I exited the other side, I found this incredible um, life through climbing in the mountains, Um, found rock climbing. And yeah, I've, I've had a great experience and I kind of wanted to illustrate to people like, yeah, the first couple of years really suck. Like trying to figure out how to function in a society that um, values escapism through substances a lot, you know, especially alcohol. And here's what mm-hmm. it could be if you if you find you can find something like this. Um, 
through, through my story. That was the one thing I thought that I could do that could help people. So yeah, through, um, cause I didn't know when I got, when I got done, I was like, well, this is all they tell you is what you can't do. You can't drink again. Okay. So what can I do? And there are options. There are many options of really cool things you can do. So, so were you doing these things prior to rehab? Were you outdoors when we grew, did you grow up? In a uh, sort of, you know, I played sports like oriented. ball sports in high school, but I grew up in Iowa, a small town. So it was like, not like, I mean, the mountains closest mountains are 12 hours away. So you're not like, you don't know people who ski. We did go on a couple of ski vacations a couple of years when uh, my right. parents were doing really well when I was in like eighth grade. Um, and then, yeah, you just kind of like, what do you, what do adults do in your life at that point? And I didn't have any sort of idea. I'm sure I could have found it if I tried harder, but I found uh, bars and parties to be way more exciting, which they were um, for a while. But yeah, so I, I went to rehab. Yeah, I did five weeks in rehab, a week in jail, and then I moved to Montana to go to graduate school as sort of a, boy, let's just get out of here. And fortunate, I was fortunate in, in being able to move and go yeah. to go to grad school. Um, there's a scene in that book, it's like, I had to go meet with my probation officer and get a, basically get permission to move out of the state. And, you know, looking around the room um, in the probation office, there are not a lot of people who are like, hey, I want to go to grad school. You know, it's like I was fortunate in that I had the resources available to actually just move and start over. And, yeah, get get out and find a new, new life. Most people are not that fortunate. So, um so yeah, and then I moved to Montana and got into hiking, got in, got on top of a couple summits via my feet and then was, you know, found my way into climbing and that changed my life, you know, became the thing I wanted to do more than anything for like six years or so. So were you writing at this time? Were you working as a writer or creative while you were getting trying to, to, yeah, I got a master's um, mountain climbing in and journalism, um, this funny thing when I got okay. here, I was like, ideal, total ideal would be to write for Rolling Stone magazine, write about music, you know, cause I love, love music. And, uh, my second year in school here, I took a magazine writing class and in order to pass, you had to get published in a magazine. In my head, I was like, how am I going to get sports illustrated or oh. Newsweek or Rolling Stone to publish my stuff? I was totally unaware of all these smaller magazines and a fellow student said, you should try to pitch something to Idaho magazine. They take just about anything. And I was like, okay, I should, I should, that's what she said. And, uh, they paid, they paid like 40 bucks. And so I, right. I sent him a pitch. I was like, Hey, last summer, my buddy and I did this really quick road trip around Idaho and like, you know, did these three cool things, including climbing Bora peak, the highest mountain in the state. And, uh, they took it and I was like, Whoa, okay. I could actually, do these things that I want to do on the weekends and potentially write about it and get paid for it. Um, and in your idealistic. Okay. So that was the Genesis. Yeah. So it took, so first year as a freelance writer, I made $40. The next year as a freelance writer, I think I made 150. Okay. And freelance. And the next year I think I made 1200. So, so you, at that pace, you're making millions now. Yeah, right. It was just yeah, it was just doubling, it tripled, tripled, then 10x, and then yeah. No, I mean you think about it. Like when I when I went 
by it took until 2012 before I was able to go full time, like before I'd gotten enough stuff going where I could say, okay, I think I can make a living off of this like full time. Um, so it took me a while and I went through, everybody has a different path, but I wasn't like, I wasn't trying to write the big magazine features that you would get paid a lot of money for. I was like, I want to do humorous stuff or, you know, other things like that. So it's been a, it's been an interesting journey. It's like half my undergraduate degrees in marketing. So business. So mm-hmm. I kind of, under like I tried to understand both sides of it and trying to figure out how to make a living as a writer. It's been very, very interesting and not nearly as straightforward as it was in probably 1995. Um, you know, where it was just like, yeah, I just need to write X number of articles for these publications every year and I'll make 50 grand. Um, it was, it's become a much, much harder thing to make a living in, I think. Yeah, magazines have a different profit model now entirely than they used to. It's amazing that that some of them still exist, right? Um, It's all, it's 100% advertising based. It's very, very, very little of it is subscription based anymore comparatively. A couple of years ago, you gave a commitment speech at the Rocky Mountain School of Expeditionary Learning. First of all, what kind of school is that? Is that like astronaut school? It sounds amazing. The School of Expeditionary Learning. Yeah, I mean, it's a small school in uh, in the Denver area. And a friend of mine is a teacher there, and he's just a great guy and a guy I would like, run into a lot on trails near Denver. And uh, we had talked about it over the years, and he's like, you should come and speak to the, the class. And I was like, you know what I'd really like to do? I'd like to give a commencement speech. I think that'd be super fun. And it's a very small school. I think the graduating class is like 30 oh, okay. kids every year. Um, so as I understand it, they base a lot of their curriculum around the Outward Bound model, uh, which the founder okay. of Outward Bound, Kurt Hahn, created. Um, so they, yeah, it's it's an interesting school and it's not at all like uh, my public small town public school experience um but they were they were open to having me as a speaker and um i was like i just want to do this just for just for a thing you know because it's kind of a fun thing to do and uh lessons i've learned along the way about they're very simple like um you know it's like show up work hard be nice to people it's pretty pretty simple stuff you know uh and deliver that and like where the speech is like 10 minutes maybe so um, but yeah, the speech was titled dream big. Like you said, work hard, be kind. Um, what is kindness? What does that, what does that mean to you? Is it something that you've, that you've always been, I mean, do you feel like kindness is in short supply? Like you're talking to these kids, like be kind because there's not enough out there or. Yeah. I mean, I think the more time we spend on the internet, the easier it is to encounter people not being kind to each other. Right. Like, <laughs> Maybe you said that well. Days yeah. too, where you're like, you spend your whole morning working on things and like checking social media and blah blah blah, and reading the news, and you're like, oh my god, the world is such an awful place. And then you like go to the hardware store, and it's unbelievable. The world is not falling apart. People are still being civil to each other, you know. And like, like I can't believe I survived leaving my house and coming to the hardware store and going home. And it's actually not that bad. And it's like, 
in the real world, we're not as nasty as we are online, you know? Um, and I, I, I am not nasty online <laughs> to, to God, what uh, if we were, what rule, if you go but, to the, uh, the store as you're checking out the, the clerk's like, so who'd you vote for? Right. And you're having those kind of conversations yeah. in real life. How awful but, would that be? And then there's 60 guys standing around you talking shit right. and mansplaining to you why you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, and I'm, I'm convinced that, you know, people of my demographic and your demographic, which is white males are like responsible for 95% of the meanness on the internet. So, um, I, that could be a little, that could be a little high on the estimate, but I just feel like it's so, I had a friend I was complaining to, uh, about somebody that sent me a, a message about something I did or left a, a comment on one of my, one of my drawings or something like that. And, she said, yeah, imagine how bad it would be if you were a woman. And I was like, yes, okay, I'm done complaining. You're right. Because, you know, it's way worse, you know? And I just, like, I can't imagine waking up in the morning and being like, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to be a dick for about 10 minutes and just leave, like, seven really bad comments and make people feel bad. And then I'm going to go out with my day, you know? It's like, wow, what are we doing? You I know? Hopefully what we're doing is we're learning. Because social media was just sort of like – um, poured onto us all of a sudden as a species, right? Mm -hmm. We woke up, we didn't, we didn't get yeah. to evolve into this new form of communication and this new form of, of tribal finger pointing and all this kind of stuff. We've become very like micro tribes, right? These tiny little niches of people that relate around these very narrow places. And so it's not really bringing us together, but hopefully as more and more people sort of wake up to the current toxic environment new types of social media evolve new standards of behavior right like the first one the first big one and i'm just riffing here because we're talking about this the first one was when we evolved from hiding behind um you know like our dungeons and dragon names elf stalker 15 you know making all these comments <laughs> and then it's like actually i'm mike johnson you know so we've had to become public with our comments which is a step and hopefully there'll be more i used to be i think pretty bad like I, it, it, there were years where like social media, I just, I used it to vent and, and kvetch and I had to have it brought to my attention. Like, Hey man, you know, I know you're just kind of having poking the bear that you don't like, but is that really doing much for you? When I was like, ah, yeah, but it's fun, <laughs> you know? And so like, I would just keep doing it. It wasn't very nice. The more time I spend on social media, the less nice I become. If I just drop in for a minute, then it's like, hey, what's up, everybody? High fives, boom, 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 boom. If I stick around and just start reading comments and stuff like that, and just and I start getting into the the sludge, yeah, I've got to get out. I've got to get yeah. out before I, I say stuff where people are like, oh wait, you're the super nice club guy. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, it's work in progress. Sometimes work in progress. Most, most of the time, yeah. No, for sure. No, I think most people, the vast majority of people. Are pretty nice ultimately and you can get along with them you talk to them it's not that hard uh it doesn't feel that way when you're on social media it, yeah what's the, it doesn't feel like the world is a beautiful place when you watch the news and the news the news is supposed to report things that are anomalies right and so like things that are interesting quote unquote and people being nice to each other in the world working is not interesting it's like how are things going wrong 
Um, and that's just the nature yeah. of it. But what's the Brene Brown quote? It's something like people are hard to hate up close. It's something like so that. Get yeah, closer. Uh, exactly. Get closer. Yeah. It is. People and, are and, hard to hate up close. They're really easy to hate in aggregate. Yeah. People one-on-one, no matter how far apart they may seem to you, hard to hate them. It really is. I mean, there's, there's some yeah. hateful people out there. Let's not make any mistakes. We're not letting everybody off the hook. But, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, by and large, I choose to believe that we're good, that we're pretty, we're pretty darn good. Changing gears because I'm in over my head right now on this one. I'm curious about something when I was going through semi-rad, the news came up and an article came across that sort of contradicted what I was looking at on semi-rad. Do you ever feel like maybe a lot of us live in a sort of a fitness bubble? You know, I ask that because what I saw today was that in 2020, the USA, we hit a record 42% obesity rate. I mean, does that surprise you at all? What are you seeing out there? Gosh, I mean, I think living in the Mountain West for the past 20 years, I think, yeah, I'm in a bit of a bubble. You know, it's always, and I would say, I would say I'm I'm fit for a guy who grew up in Iowa, for sure. But it's because I've had <laughs> two decades of going up and down mountains, which is like, you know, that's a lot. And I'm literally the least fit person I ever hang out with, like, I'm not talking like people who are professional athletes. I'm like fellow people who are keyboard uh, people sitting in their offices all week. And I, um, people are like, do you want to go for a run? I'll be like, Hmm, how, how fast do you run? Or can I keep up with you on a bicycle? Probably not. And I'm routinely like always being like, ah, yeah, if you're okay, going slower, skiing this thing or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, I can see that. It's just human nature, you know, like inertia is probably the, hardest thing to overcome for myself included i can sit down i could literally sit down in front of a tv and watch like four movies today and not not be bothered by it at all because that's fun and i love food and we have so much good food like good tasting food in the world it's really hard to like as i get older be like okay you can't eat that every single day and plus the pandemic has like forced so many people inside and just like it's given me a sort of, um, I would say pandemic induced agoraphobia where I'm Mm. just starting to venture out a little bit more now after being vaccinated and like, okay, maybe that's okay. Maybe I could go a little bit further. So yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. Um, and I know that if I don't keep tabs on myself, I will definitely, I could become very unhealthy very fast and I would love it too. I mean, I would love it up to a point, but like the process of getting there would be glorious you know i have to make myself exercise it's not like a natural thing for me oh i'm in the same boat i I resist it every single time and it was a bummer for me is i've never gotten a runner's high i don't get it i don't know what's wrong with me for that what's wrong with me why don't i get a runner's high is it just i haven't run far enough or run hard enough i don't actually i think if you've ever done drugs or drank or like yeah i just don't think yes, the runner's yes. eye is that distinct you know i mean it's not oh, like okay it's it's you know not I mean? like molly or something yeah yeah <laughs> <No>. <laughs> maybe that's what it's, i was waiting for maybe that's what i was waiting for like huh this feels great and so do you um, i don't even think it's like yeah. cigarettes like i think it's yeah, like okay. even more imperceptible but i also don't I don't know what I couldn't just say, Oh my God, I'm feeling it right now. It's more like I run and I hate it until about, I get like 50 minutes in and the world suddenly is just like beginning of wizard of Oz, you know, it's like color black and white to color. And I'm like, Oh, 
this isn't so bad. I love running. My life is great, you know, as opposed to the first 49 minutes of just like, uh, you know, grinding it out. So I think that's what it is for me where it starts to be okay. And I feel pretty good for a while. But that's what it is. Yeah. Now I've got the answer. Five zero minutes in. Yeah. If it, that's That's what it is for me. I'm back. I'm in the shower by then. Yeah. <laughs> it might be faster. It might be it yeah. might come a lot sooner for other people, but that's what it is for me. And I run pretty slow, so maybe I should run maybe if I ran faster I'd get it faster. I don't know. Um but Yeah, well yeah. that's been my trick is trying to learn how to run slow. That's a hard thing to do. My ego gets in the way. My sort of like natural comfortable pace is what I think is a natural comfortable pace. I think it limits me a lot. Trying to learn to run slow, as backwards as that seems, has been one of my bigger challenges. That's, I watched this film in like 2009 where Dean Karnazes runs 50 marathons in 50 states in 50 days. And this guy is yeah. a fast, like super athletic person. And uh, I mean, he won multiple ultra marathons in his career. Yeah. But I watched him run these marathons and he would meet up with people. And I'm like, this guy is just like literally shuffling. He's not like Usain Bolt just ripping mm-hmm. down or a, a fast marathon runner. He's just shuffling through these marathons. I thought this is the key, you know, it's like, and I have a watch when I go out and run. I like, I like to know how far I'm going, but to me, like the actual activity of it being out there is the fun part. And once I get out and I'm like, should I run six miles today? I'd be like, I could do eight. I can stay out, you know, to do, be doing the thing is the actual, the actual, uh, reward. It's not the speed for me. And it doesn't, I can be maintaining a conversation. I can just like not be out of breath and that's, that's mm-hmm. okay. It's like the, tr- there's a quote in the book from, from David Roche, who's a coach, uh, in, you know, I hate running and it's, I'm going to butcher it cause I'm not looking directly at it, but it's, it's like something about making, making your effort feel easier, like making that, that a better, better feeling, not necessarily pushing yourself hard every time. And there's also, a statistic in there that he, I think he said, and multiple other coaches, I think have said 80% of your miles should be easy miles. Honestly, I'm closer to like 95% of my miles are easy miles. So it's like, yeah, just get out there and jog, you know, it doesn't have to be like this high school gym class. Like I'm dying. I'm going to vomit up a lung running every time you go out or anytime you go out. In my case, I just want to go out there and move. It can be easy to think, oh gosh, I got to get back to my house and do X, you know, and like, you're like, really, if I stayed out 15 more minutes, would that be bad? You know, let's just keep going. I think it's an obsession with, uh, for some of us, myself included, like personal records, right? Personal bests, PBs, you know, like that's why I had to get rid of the the watch that told me how fast and it would show me the map when I got home and it would show me my fastest pace and my slowest pace and the incline. And, you know, I actually, I ran like words, you know, cause you could like run a route and you can oh, run yeah. a route so that when you get done, like you've got a big word, like I love you, babe, or whatever, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, look, I just ran 12 miles and it says, I love you. Yeah. Um, but I would get obsessed with all that and had to put it, the, the Peloton of a Peloton, right? And that, which shows you where you're at in the moment against all the other runners that are there right now, uh, all the other runners that have been there before you. I just got to turn that stuff off. That's not but it's really either. hard for me because I'm like, yeah, I get to be like a data junkie. Yeah. Uh, and it's really, for me, it compels me to overtrain or to train too fast too soon. Mm-hmm. 
It doesn't work yeah. for me. And I, I, it's like I've been learning slowly to turn off every measurement other than time. Yeah. Right. I want to go run for 30 minutes or 40 minutes or 10 minutes or whatever I have the time for and feel like, okay, I ran for that amount of time. Check the box. I feel good about it. I accomplished it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I had a friend in college who was a, um, a miler and a two miler on the track team in college uh, and was nationally successful. And I remember, yeah, he's like my freshman, freshman year. He said, Hey, you should come run with us. And I was like, Oh my God, no, I ran like, 200s in high school and not nearly the speed that track people run and he's like oh no we just do like easy miles during the day and I'm, that's before track practice the distance guys and i go well how far do you go how fast do you go and he goes oh we just we just assume 10 minutes is a mile and we just go run for like 40 minutes an hour you know whatever and i thought oh my god they literally just go out there and do their thing for a little while just to move for 60 minutes and these are actual really successful yeah. athletes so it reminds me that there's like that Gary Snyder poem about um, fishing, which it's something along the lines of first we first we went fishing, then we took the barbs off our hooks, then we took the hooks off our lines, then we just went swimming. It's it's something like that. <laughs> and, and if you think about it, it's so it's so zen. I feel yeah, like, you know. I want to ask you about your version in your mind of what a nicer world looks like to you. Boy, that's a that's a good question. Now, remember the Super Nice Club, we're just trying to make the world 10% nicer. So, you know, it's not like, I'm not asking you to envision like something, a planet that's been terraformed or something and is lush again and dinosaurs and humans are living hand in hand or hand in paw. What's a, what's a dinosaur <laughs> hand? Is it a paw? Claw? Uh, I think it paw? depends on the dinosaur probably, right? Like Or feather wing. Brontosaurus yeah. is very different than a velociraptor. You get the idea. Yeah, pterodactyl. Yeah. So a little bit nicer. What's a, what's a little bit nicer world look like to you? Um, like the whole world is tough for me to grasp, but the thing I think about is, which I think it would be nicer if more people thought about it this way is like, where, how is this thing that I'm putting out there going to make people feel, whether it's a tweet, an Instagram post, you know, whatever you can get pretty famous or gather a pretty big following by like trying to provoke people, you know, and that Mm -hmm. some people like to do that. I am the exact opposite of that. I do not want to be the worst part of somebody's day ever, you know, no matter what, what happens. And I think there's a lot of people who don't think about that. They just like, I'm just going to tell you what I think in this little comment. I'm just going to do a little drive by, drop this here, drop this little grenade on your life and then walk away. And, uh, I think so much of the bad feelings we experience can be because of that you know there's days i've just been on twitter and like twitter makes me laugh my ass off on maybe a daily basis but there is a mess of shit you have to wade through to get to the funny stuff sometimes where and some days i've been like this site is literally just people complaining about how awful things are like in a very clever way a lot of times you know and i respect the cleverness of it but it also is making me feel awful um and it's hard. It's fear spreads way more uh, quickly than positivity, which has been proven. So it's hard to like fight that. And we're, I'm a total cynic and I'm a negative person at heart and by nature, you know, and it, to like fight that and like keep that and so, like punch that person down and be like, shut up. Like you're not putting that out in the world is, is difficult. And, um, 
I've tried to, for the last decade, just try to create things that are not negative, uh, which is really difficult for me. And I think that's the biggest thing we can offer people is just like, I'm just not going to say that thing. That's, that's nasty. That, 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 uh, man, I'm, I'm so on that. I'm on that train with you. That would be a nice world. And I have a very parallel uh, journey myself too, just uh, with the super nice club being the thing that's, that I hope is carrying me like you're semi rad to let my inner cynic uh, find a more balanced place in my life, right? Um, and to not do the punching down. Actually, Twitter was the first social media thing that I abandoned. Super Nice Club has a Twitter account, but we've, it's barely used. It's because I, Todd Brilliant, was first like, man, Twitter, this sucks. Everything's awful. Um, Facebook caught up. <laughs> All right. Facebook caught up. It did. It did. And, and went beyond, I think. But uh, by then I was addicted. And um, it's, you know, it's, 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 those are, that's, that's my battle. But I like that. I like that a lot. I like the idea of, um, and it's something I'm still working on, of just having all of us not want to throw a grenade into each other's days. Right? What's, what's the win in that? Where, where is the win in that? Is, are you changing somebody's mind? No. And some part of you feels bad about it too. Maybe not consciously, but some part of you is getting some of that shrapnel. Yeah. It's, I guarantee it. Uh, I was at Burning Man. Sorry. Um, <laughs> that paints me as a certain type of person. I was at Burning Man a few years ago. Do you know what Burning Man I is? I do. Yes. I've, I've heard about okay. Burning Man since I, I assumed that everybody knew Never what it been. was. Yeah. but uh, And I was watching the man burn. Uh, super environmentally rad thing to do, by the way. Burn, you know, all this wood. But a thought occurred to myself, and it was just this. It was something like, uh, oh, if it doesn't promote love or learning, leave it be. Right? And that's what I've been trying to use to guide my sort of social media posts. If it doesn't promote love or learning, don't do it. I, I think I've been 80% successful with it, probably 80%. So along those lines, do you have any sort of challenge you can issue to people listening or members of the Super Nice Club, uh, something they can do to make their world a little bit nicer? Yeah, I mean, I think about this a lot. And um, my rule, I was just writing this in a thing for somebody else, but my rule that I came up with many years ago is that making fun of us is okay. Making fun of them is not okay. And if I can include myself in a group and make fun of myself and people who are like myself can laugh at it as well, that's okay. But for me to go, those people over there are idiots because this, that is further dividing people. And that's my rule. I don't like try to shit on people who are not like me. And me, I'm a big target. I have lots of things I know about myself that I can make fun of, but I think it's this way of poking fun at yourself and the folly of being a human being. Like whether it's like how many times I hit the snooze button before I actually get out of bed, you know, it's, it's a way of helping people laugh at themselves as opposed to being like those people over there are different and that's why they're, they're bad. Um, and I think that's you're uniting people who also want to laugh at themselves as opposed to dividing people, whether it's liberal conservative, uh, vegetarians and omnivores crossfitters and ultra marathon runner you know it's like we're all different but like if you can pull people together as opposed to 
making fun of the people on the other side, I think that helps me tremendously. Um, so when I put stuff out there, I always think about that first. And I don't know if that fits the answer to your question, but that's kind of the way I've been viewing things in my life. I think so. Would it be, would it be fair to me to summarize uh, the challenge something like, you know, laugh at yourselves, at yourself, not yeah. others? Yeah. And that, that is a challenge. It is absolutely a challenge to keep that in mind. Like we can all intellectually grasp these things and we can listen and go, yeah, of course. But to, to keep it top of mind enough to where you correct yourself. And if you want to go next level, like if you want to take that to the super pro challenge, maybe try to gently correct others when you see them laughing at others, right? Like don't turn, don't look yeah. the other way. Don't look the other way in the locker room uh, when people are, are, are uh, being misogynists or, you know, when you see some behavior that isn't cool, uh, that is, you know, disparaging an other or yeah. an individual. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, I, um, I so, recently learned that people aren't saying that anymore. FYI. Yeah, that kind of thing. Don't make it about them. Don't say, hey, stop being a dick. Say, hey, I recently learned that. Who knew? But you know that's not a cool word. Don't anymore. make it. Don't make it about shame. Right? I you think can kind the of number one thing. Yeah. How dare you? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's responding and yeah. not reacting, right? And then, do you have? This is the fun part for you. This is the exciting part. Everybody, every guest is always so excited about this part. You have a question for me. You get to be the host for a minute. And you get to grill me with a question. Yeah, is that your real last name, or did you change it? No, it's my it's my real okay, legal so last you, name. But has it? So did you make it your last name, or was it a parent? Like, has it been passed down? And what is the story? Uh, it's been passed. It has been passed down. Um, it's been passed down from me to um, my son, Justice Brilliant. Yes. Okay. Um, was it passed down to me? No. My full name is Todd Sorum Brilliant. I got this name from from marriage, getting married. At the time, my now ex-wife, lovely woman, what's up, Naomi, if you're listening? I doubt that you are, but maybe. She didn't like her last name, Johnson. And she didn't like my last name. And I'm like, well, so, you know, what do you want to do? She came up with the last name Brilliant. I think she read it like on the shampoo bottle while she was taking a shower. She came out of the shower and was like, what about Brilliant? And I was like, ah, um, I didn't love it. Okay, it just felt egotistical to me. Uh, it's ended up being great to me because people don't forget my name, right? And it's like being named Joe Cool or something, right? It's it's been a it's been good branding. So I said, hey, how about this? How about we have our wedding guests vote on our last name? And I was pretty confident that they would be traditional. So it was like um, Sorum, S O R U M. It's Norwegian. Um, brilliant. Uh, like I think the Johnson Sorum, like you know that kind of like you take the both. Uh, something crazy weird, you know, like a funny name, and then maybe something else I don't remember. What I did not foresee was that uh, I didn't foresee the sort of the the split vote effect. So in total, Sorum and the hyphenated Sorum last name won by a pretty big margin, but they um, competed with each other so that Brilliant was the single biggest vote getter. That's like the, you know, the Democrats are always worried about a super liberal because they're like, yeah, yeah. you know, you're going to split the vote, you know, and then uh, that whole uh, madness. Um, yeah, so it split the vote. 
brilliant one, and I had made the agreement, so that was the last name. And it has been since 1999, since 9-11-99. Wow. Yeah, I think that's a, I'm glad I asked. Yeah. Uh, that's an interesting story. Yeah. I think the hyphenated name works for like a generation yeah, so. and then like, it's like the next generation, do you do the double hyphen? And then it's like, we could be coming infinitely longer last names, but I've always thought that'd be cool to just make up your own last name. That'd be fun. You know? Yeah. Well, Justice, uh, he's 18, going to go to college at um, Oregon. He's going to be a duck next year. <laughs> if anybody out there is uh, a duck and living out there and my kids could be living near you. Uh, his full name is Justice Masaru North oh, Sorum. Wow. Brilliant. For tax returns. He's got a big yeah, name. Yeah, JM and SB. I've never told oh, that story great. publicly before. So yeah. there we go. Everybody knows now. Um, it was There was some shame for a while. Like I didn't want to like admit that it was like a made up last name. Because people always ask, is that your real last name? And rather than get all into that, I'm like, yeah, it's my real last name. Because otherwise, it's, it's a story, right? Um, and you're just like talking to the person who's taking your reservation, right, at the restaurant or something. Like, yeah, yeah, it's my real last name. But I always say, I always feel like, yeah, it's, I'm kind of, it is real, but it's kind of a half-truth that I'm telling mm. this stranger. You should just ask, what is real? So reality? now. What is, what is truth? Right, yeah, well, what, what is so, folks, uh, if you take away anything from this conversation, uh, I hope it's none of my words and it's the wisdom of Brendan here. But more than that, I hope it's that uh, you need to go out and buy I Hate Running and You Can Too by Brendan Leonard. It's published by Artis, Artisan like Books. Adidas. Published by Artisan Books New York. Go to IndieBound, IndieBound.org, and it'll lead you to where you can buy that. Um, although maybe, you know, for chart purposes... Uh, it's better for Brendan if you buy it on Amazon. Um, whatever, just buy it. And it has the Super Nice Club guarantee. If you don't like it, let us know. We'll pay you whatever you paid for it. Doesn't count if you buy like 100 copies. All right, I'm not going to buy 100 copies back from you. That's just nonsense. But if you buy a copy and read it, yeah, it's guaranteed. Because I know you're going to like it. I know you are because you're here listening to this podcast, which means, one, you're in the Super Nice Club, so you're a type of person that I kind of already get. You're a human being. Or you're a fan of Brendan's and somehow you haven't bought it yet, which is weird because it's been out for a couple of months, right? And it's super important to drive traffic on these sales early in the publishing process. So if you haven't bought it yet and you're a friend of Brendan's, you need to buy a second <laughs> copy to make up for your sloth. Cool? Thanks for the plug. Yeah. <laughs> Brendan, thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate you being on here. I really do. And thank you for writing this book. This is a book that's that's going to have an impact uh, in my life. And that means it's going to make an impact in my family's life, too. Because running brings mental clarity. And all kinds I appreciate of you saying that. Th thanks for having me on. This has been fun. And so there you have it. Once again, another super nice conversation with a super nice human, Brendan Leonard. Um, are you inspired to run? Maybe even just like power walk? Remember those people in the malls you'd see, like usually older people with the hand weights or the shake weights or whatever, like power walking through the mall? That's cool. Like they want to be active and limber and doing stuff. Uh, I I'm into it. I remember when I was a kid, I'm like, that's kind of weird. But uh, no, anything to get out there and get moving and get back to kind of what humans are supposed to be, which is not desk-bound sloths, right? So check out Brandon's book on running because it's awesome. He's awesome. Also check out semi-rad.com. And thanks. 
Thanks for listening to this podcast. Thanks for sharing it with people because you do, right? You share the podcast. I'm really stoked on that. Thanks for being excited about something you don't know about probably yet, which is the super nice club, Bring the Nice Tour. That's going to be hitting cities across the United States, COVID Delta Plus variant permitting this fall. If you're interested in learning more about that or want it to come to your town, holler. Next week... Next week's awesome. Next week is episode number 74, wow, with Victor Litvinenko, Raleigh Denim Workshop. Are you into salvage jeans? You into denim? You into pants? You into clothes? You into being alive? If you're into any of those things, then it is going to be a great podcast for you. Seriously, Raleigh, maybe you're not into pants, all right? Maybe you're a shorts person with socks and Birkenstocks. That's cool. You do you. But the crafts personship of what Victor and his wife, partner, Sarah, do with their company, Raleigh Denim Workshop, it's impressive. And it's it goes a big way towards that 10% nicer world when you're doing things right from a labor perspective, from a material sourcing perspective, from a heritage and respecting your local history perspective, and from just making bitchin' clothes perspective. It's awesome. So that's next week. Until then, stay nice, everyone. If you wanted to be nicer, then you could lend a helping hand. If you wanted to be nicer, then you could see your neighbor's band. If you wanted to be nicer, then you could put away your clothes. You can teach everything you know And all we ask is that you just become 10% more nice And all we ask is that you just become 10% more nice Is that you just become ten percent more nice? And all we ask is that you just become ten percent more nice. So what? Big deal.